Hello, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host for this edition of Requests, Cody Stoffer, and we're going to talk about some Colorado talent here today from the offensive side of the ball. And the first place that we are going to go is Westminster High School to talk about Quentin Lore, the wide receiver slash special teamer out of Westminster. And I just want to shout out Westminster for showing a lot of support and love for the pod. But anyways, we are going to jump into Quentin Lore here. He is five foot six, 140 pounds. And like I said, a wide receiver who, you know, despite playing in a wing T run first offense, made the most of his opportunities. I'll say he collected eight receptions for 206 yards and three scores but also made his presence felt in the special teams aspect of the game with 10 kickoff returns for 383 yards. And I believe that he collected two touchdowns on kickoff returns. And not to mention his junior year, he also had an additional two touchdowns that were interception returns. So, you know, he's able to find the end zone and make the most of his opportunities for sure. Like I said, eight receptions, there's not a whole lot to judge a ton of consistency off of, which will ultimately impact and hurt his grade. But with the opportunities that he was given, he did show me a couple of things, you know. I'm actually gonna go ahead and start with some areas of improvement first, you know. Uh, he is not a jump ball threat. Uh, he's 5'6", 140 pounds. His vertical isn't super overwhelming. I didn't see him really get physical with any cornerbacks and Moss anybody or anything like that, or really, you know, have to have to do anything like that. Granted, like I said, very limited opportunities, but nothing there. I'm going to have to give it a 3.2. It's just not, there's just no evidence of it. Uh, same with his blocking, especially at 5'6", 140 pounds. I would have needed to see a lot of blocking film to really give this the benefit of the doubt. So I did give his blocking a 1.2 with A, the invisibility, and B, just the size. Uh, that's really tough to just award even a 3 on such a category. Moving on, I don't think that he uses his hands very well. He catches with his body a lot and really hard. Uh, so there's just not, his, his, he's able to adjust to the ball, so that's why it didn't get a super low score, but I did give it a 3.9 because he does catch with his chest pads way, 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 way too much. And that is just, it like makes me cringe. Uh, when when talking about the wide receiver position to to see something like that happen. But moving forward with just one more, a couple more areas of improvement, I think that his elusiveness slash agility could use a little bit of work as well as just his overall strength. Um, he just doesn't show the ability to really shed tackles and... You know, I, I just don't think that he shows big jukes or anything like that. So that's why his agility is rated at such a grade. But with all that being said, the one thing that was not in his control this year was the route tree. I gave it a 4.9 because he did show me something in his route running ability that did, you know, kind of pop my eyes a little bit, especially for the route tree that he was given. But, you know, at the end of the day, he was not asked to run a lot of routes playing in a wing tee. So I had to give his route tree a 4.9. But 
that's kind of the end of some of the knocks that I have on Quinton's game. There are some things to like, and you know, I think with a little bit of work, he could produce on on the JUCO or D3 level. And I think that starts with his route running. You know, like I said, he doesn't get a lot of opportunities to run routes, but he does a great job of getting choppy, selling vertical, using head and hip shakes and handshakes to get open on the few targets that he does get. And I find that honestly, it's very promising is what I should say. And something that would get me excited to recruit him, seeing that he already has this upside to him. So, you know, like I said, his route running, I gave it a 7.8. And with that, you know, his separation slash release, I gave it 6.6. .6. When he runs the more downfield routes, he doesn't create as much separation until the ball's kind of there. Like I said, he's good at adjusting to the ball, so that's why the ball skills weren't super low. But, <clears throat> yeah, just the uh, his ability to create separation. And he has a pretty good release as well. You know, he obviously knows that he has to do something creative at 140 pounds to create that separation, and he does exactly that. So huge props to Quinton here for, you know, making those adjustments and showing off some speed and precision with his with his route running ability. Furthermore, uh, his speed, I give it a seven. I said that he's, it's not elite speed, but by no means is he slow. So that I think that's right where a seven kind of lands you. Then his body control and field awareness slash vision. These were two things that I was very high on. His body control at a 6.9, his field awareness slash vision. And this comes in huge part to his kickoff returning abilities. Like I said, he returned for nearly 400 yards this year. It was the majority of his yards and, you know, took a couple of kickoffs back to the house. So on a squad that, you know, struggled a little bit throughout the season to generate massive plays through the air, Quentin still found ways to make plays on special teams. And that can go a long way in recruiting and catching somebody's eye. So that's, I gave it a 7.7 .7 in this field awareness and a 6.9 because, you know, a little bit of route running is body control for sure. And having that balance and that footwork and that coordination, but also, you know, what he was able to do on kickoff return was, you know, it, it was enough and substantial for, for, you know, just his overall grade here. He did land at a total of 52.7. I definitely think he's a project player. And the biggest issue that I have with giving such a harsh grade is he just didn't get a lot of opportunities to show me stuff. And, you know, consistency and volume is accounted into these grades. So, you know, I mean, hands ball skills at a 3.9, it really could be a sleeper 6.8 or, or something like that. But with eight receptions, that's just not a whole lot to really, I can't give away points for free. And the workload just isn't super massive, but the parts that were massive, like the kickoff returning and, you know, the routes that he, he did run showed me enough to warrant these, you know, near seven grades, which is like that two star level kind of recruit. So he has two star upside for sure, but I just don't know enough else about his game to generate more points. But I do think that he'd have to be a special teamer slash receiver at, you know, the, the smaller stature that he stands at. I don't think that that's an ideal fit for like a safety or a, a cornerback. So I'd say like a slot receiver is what you're looking at on the next level if he decided to go Juco or uh, most likely D3. 
I think that he could be utilized on the D3 level in, in a pretty positive way. And you can get creative with him and probably utilize his talents a lot more than maybe this wing T was able to. But that's kind of my diagnosis on Quentin Lore here. Thank you, Quentin, for submitting your request. And coming up next, we'll have a, another Colorado receiver. Welcome back, PMC fam. We are doing another edition of requests on episode 143, I want to say this is. And we are going to be somewhat, eh, just a little bit south of Westminster here, at Arvada West, talking about Ian Lee, the slot receiver slash special teamer, who put in some pretty solid work here for Arvada West. And so let's go ahead and jump right into it. Ian Lee has three-star, almost four-star speed. He is incredibly quick. He has nearly three-star uh, elusiveness slash agility at an 8.1. He has great body control as noted by his elusiveness slash agility at an 8.4. And he has phenom field awareness slash vision. He's a big time special teamer with next level speed and agility to turn nothing into something. He's great at staying on his feet and recovering when becoming off balance and overall just can create a lot from very little. And so I'm going to elaborate a little bit on what he was able to do. He had in, in two games this year, including a win over Ralston Valley, he had a 78 yard kick return and he also had another 78-yard kick return, uh, or I guess I should say um, 78 total yards of kick return yardage for this Ralston Valley game and the Pomona game. So right there, you're already at 150 yards, and you don't even get to the point where, you know, how is he scoring a couple of touchdowns? Well, he is a big-time threat on punt return. He has this really impressive punt return against Cherry Creek High School, where, you know, there's a lot of D1 athletes, even on that special teams unit. And he's able to, you know, make some very quick cuts. It's almost like, you know, a fruit ninja kind of whoosh, 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 move where he just dices through the defense super smooth and just shows phenomenal footwork on his way to doing that. And, you know, rips off a touchdown against, you know, the state champs. So that's obviously really impressive, especially against a team that's as what should I say, disciplined as Cherry Creek. So that was a pretty sweet return. And, you know, on the season, he had 236 total punt return yards and, you know, was able to score two times. I believe the other time was against Ralston Valley as well. Yeah, so two punt return touchdowns, one against Ralston Valley, one against Cherry Creek. So he, he showed just big play ability on, on special teams, especially in the punt return game. Not only does he field the punts very well, but he's very reactive and he just knows where to go. That's why I said his field awareness slash vision is 8.2. I mean, some of these things I couldn't even see watching the film from an overhead standpoint until he showed me where they were. And so to be able to do that on the field, catching the ball at the same time, that's pretty sweet. And it'll, it'll land you a, a three-star kind of look here in these categories. Like I said, he's very quick too. Once he makes that edge, there is not anybody in this state who I think showed me that 
he was catchable. And on top of that, you know, he makes some cuts and he makes some guys look silly, like actually colliding defenders into other defenders and making people fall over, snatching some ankles with the elusiveness that he does show. All that being said, you know, we are going to talk a little bit of his receiving game. I think that it does need a little bit of work, but on the very upside, he does show good ability to create separation slash release through, you know, just like little tricks and tips through his route running a little bit. There's this one kind of seam slash post route. I think it started off as a seam, but then, you know, he made a little move and was able to create what was initially zero yards of separation into like five yards of separation with just a quick burst of acceleration that, you know, just came, came kind of out of left field and definitely caught this safety off guard for what was an easy receiving touchdown. And so talking about receiving touchdowns, he had himself a, an all right year. You know, he only caught three touchdowns this year, but stat wise, he did rack up 47 receptions, including a monster 10 reception game against Pomona. And, you know, he, he tacked on 435 yards on the season, making his total yardage 827 between the 435 receiving, 156 kick return, and 236 punt return. So, very solid season, I'd say, as far as, you know, returning the ball and catching the ball and whatnot. But, you know, there are some things that I think he should work on. I wouldn't say that he necessarily has bad hands. I give his hands a 6.3. I just wouldn't say that they're, like, mind-boggling or really sticky hands mainly his ball skills is what really jumped out to me here because he does make some diving catches and so i kind of also counted that in his verticality slash jump ball he did reach for the top shelf on some of these passes and corralled them in is the proper verbiage to use for some of these passes and just where they landed and, you know, but he doesn't show it all the time and he doesn't necessarily show it through contact. So that's why I have it at a 5.1 right in the middle of the road there. I think it's a little bit of a little bit above average, my average being like a four ish. So but I, I didn't see quite enough to justify a higher grade. But, you know, 47 receptions, that's a pretty solid number of catches, especially in an offense that distributes the ball pretty well amongst all of its receivers out there in Arvada West. So I don't mind, you know, giving it a 6.3 because the volume is there. It's it's six times the amount of what I saw with Quentin Lore. So, you know, that's always a good thing for him that bodes well. And then his route running, I wouldn't say it's super crazy. He did have that one play that I talked about a little bit earlier with that one little move. But you don't see a lot of precisiveness in, in his cuts or, you know, not a lot of creativity either. It could just be from the slot position too. That kind of hurts you know, both his route running and his route tree. And so I guess this is the point where I'm going to start talking about areas of improvement. His route tree is just not very big. He runs primarily from the slot and it's a lot of seams, posts, quick hitter kind of stuff. It's not a very expansive route. Like, I don't even know if he runs, you know, one through nine or, or two through zero. You know what I mean? So it's just not very expansive from what I was able to see. And, you know, it took him a couple of games to get going, basically until Cherry Creek to start racking in some catches. And it wasn't until that Columbine win, uh, that was an upset win and a very exciting one where he really showed his worth with the five catches for 72 yards and a score in that game. But otherwise, some of his big performances like Cherry Creek with that punt return, they lost that one 21 to 52. 
Uh, this Pomona game with 10 receptions for 76 yards, they lost this one 14 to 42. And I'm not pinning the blame on necessarily, you know, Ian Lee here, but it's like, how many of those, when were those catches in those games? When were those punt returns in those games? And that, that kind of matters. They could have been early, they could have been late, but especially this Pomona one is the one that kind of raised some alarms. It's like 10 receptions in a game that they lost by 28. I don't know how much stock I can necessarily put into that performance. So, you know, things like that had me questioning a little bit his route running and his route tree and ability to create separation against some of these top defenses that they did go against, even with the superior numbers that he put up. I'm wondering who is on the field when those were happening. Furthermore, he's also not a very big guy. So I gave his blocking a 1.2, especially at the slot position. This isn't a team that I would say like knocked anyone's socks off running the ball. I They weren't bad, but you know they're known as a passing team, which I love for sure, uh, especially being in the same when, when they beat Columbine the first time I was really stoked because I was like take that wing T uh no no disrespect to Columbine but I just do not like the wing T offense but you know their leading rusher this year had like 849 yards on only 136 carries so with that being said it it's just I don't really see the need for big blocks to be coming in for Ian Lee and quite frankly it really didn't matter because Going on to his commitment, he is committed to play at Presentation College. That is a D3 in South Dakota, I want to say. And they play in the uh, MA, in the uh, UMAC. I don't know if that's actually an acronym for it, but they, it totally should be. But, you know, he's going to go on to play D3 ball, and I think that that's pretty appropriate. Like I said, he's way too special of a special teamer to not be playing on the next level. Presentation definitely got a steal here, and I wouldn't be surprised if Ian Lee, you know, potentially found his way onto the field on special teams, even as a true freshman, and, you know, was able to rip off some big gains, or, you know, through the punt team, is fielding punts and ripping off some big gains, and maybe even scoring some touchdowns his first year playing college ball, which is very special and a big deal, you know, even getting onto the field as a true freshman and, you know, getting some catches in or this or that, is you know integral but ian lee i think has some serious opportunities to make some noise on special teams and then in turn you know showing big playability on special teams is going to open up opportunities for you on the offensive side of the ball so yeah that that's why i'm so high on ian lee and you know like i said he has three-star talent and borderline four-star talent at the speed position so i think that this is a great pickup by presentation college and i think that it's going to be a good fit for ian lee for you know his love of the game and it, getting in sooner rather than later. But that will do it for Ian Lee out of Arvada West. And another edition of Playmakers Corner's Request is here for you with your host for this episode, Cody Stoffer. And, you know, we talked about these two kind of new members of Playmakers Corner, but the rest of this episode is going to be a little bit of a callback slash shout out to some big time PMC fam guys who, you know, I've had the pleasure of meeting most of these guys and or talking to a lot of these guys like Bo Bivens here, 
you know, he is somebody who I did a breakdown of last year, actually, out of Torrington High School in Wyoming. And I was very excited to watch this film and see maybe what some things different were. And I'm just going to go ahead and talk about what he, what I noted about him last year. And so, you know, for his strengths, I put, you know, he uses his eyes and head to move defenders and look through progressions. He makes a variety of throws, posts, seams, deep outs, check downs, corner outs, slants, ins, hitches. And he has great touch on his passes with some solid power uh, that, you know, helped them lead, helped lead his team to a state championship appearance. Now, some areas of improvement that I talked about from last year is that the throwing motion is a little funky and I'd prefer it to go a bit more over his head than diagonal. And some of the throws are a little too close for comfort, and I don't know if they'd fly above the Wyoming 2A level, especially with uh, Kaiser Wolf being a, a moss monster out there. And I didn't really see him step into throws, which kind of defaults to throwing off, and that he kind of defaults to throwing off his back foot. And, you know, I, I also had to do some digging up a 12 to 7 INT to or TD to INT ratio. And, you know, that he's, and I said that he's not the most athletic quarterback and he doesn't manipulate the pocket very well. That was what I had to say about Bo Bibbins last year. Fast forward to this year to talk about some things that he did do well and maybe some things that he did address in the offseason and that I kind of want to, you know, give some kudos on. So, first things first. Some of Bo's stats from this past year will show improvement in a couple of different areas. I mean, right off the bat, the TD to INT ratio of 21 to 3 compared to 12 to 7 is a massive improvement. He also showed the ability to make some plays with his legs with eight rushing touchdowns. And in his film, you know, I thought that his scramble ability did take a step forward. You know, there are some plays where he shows a little bit of moves, you know, and he goes through somebody at one point. And I think that, you know, at six foot, 200 pounds, he also put on some weight and I think some muscle that helped him kind of drop the hammer on some defenders and increase, you know, his scramble ability just a bit. So I wanted to give him some props on that. And then, you know, 61% completion percentage as well on 2,100 yards. That's, that's a very solid season and, you know, very similar to a quarterback that we're going to be talking about after this segment. So the decision-making wise, I think that he did take a step forward. There are still some throws that I wasn't necessarily in love with. And I was like, eh, you probably could have passed it to somebody else or looked at checkdowns just a little bit more. But overall, you know, I gave his decision-making skills a six. I think that, you know, that that's a solid rating. Uh, it's above average, just, just barely. So, you know, I just wanted to give him some props there for improving his decision-making skills as well as his scrambling ability. I gave this a 6.8. Now, he doesn't have mind-blowing speed or anything like that or wheels to really make some crazy moves. I mean, I just watched Blake Barnett's film. So, you know, it's two very different style of quarterbacks. But I think that he did what he was asked this year when he was asked to run the ball and, you know, showed some strength, showed the ability to put on some muscle and, you know, showed it in action with those eight rushing touchdowns and added another dimension to this offense that maybe wasn't as prevalent from last year's film so just wanted to talk about those two things that i think he did significantly better and that just have straight up you know numerical evidence on top of the film that i watched that you know while while they weren't mind-blowing in in some kind of way they were solid in a lot of ways and you know showed 
improvement, which I think is the most important thing that you want out of somebody that you scout from a junior to senior year, especially following, you know, an interesting offseason is what I will say. So, you know, those are some things that I think went a little bit better. And then I think that this year, maybe he didn't engage his hips as much. Or, or didn't engage, like, you know, didn't step into throws as much. But I think he did engage his hips very, very well to produce a little bit more power and a little bit more zip on some of his throws. So, you know, th these are some things that I thought were, were pretty good. Like, you know, his arm power, he has pretty natural arm power. It's not, you know, Patrick Mahomes-esque or anything crazy zippy like that. But it's solid enough to push it down the field a little bit. I gave it a 7.6. I think that, you know, he's just very good at... I, there's this one play where this snap comes in super low and he's able to scoop it up and he has to throw it off his back foot into, you know, a contested window, which, like I said, decision-making, sometimes it's not the best decision, but he makes the throw and it goes for a touchdown. I just think it was, it was eye-popping and it made me jump up his arm power like a whole half a point to this 7.6 rating. Uh, prior to this point, I was kind of on the fence with the seven, but that throw, sometimes it just takes one throw to what exactly is hiding in that arm. So, you know, I think that his arm power, very solid 7.6. I think that his accuracy is also, it's also good. You know, I give it a 7.3. He does, you know, make some very tight throws and puts it into some tough windows, but I think that's predominantly from his timing. I gave his timing an 8.3. That is, you know, a three-star rating. I think that, you know, his very first throw just shows excellent timing past the cornerback in front of the safety in a window that's a stride big. So, you know, that was phenomenal for this, you know, for his timing. But he just shows it again and again and again. I think that, you know, I, I could have classified it arm power. I could have classified it in accuracy. But really, it's just he knows his receivers very, very well. And he knows where they're going to be. And he understands the concepts. And he just understands when he needs to throw the ball. And so I think that's why he looks so cool and calm, you know, in the pocket. And, you know, shows an ability to, you know, just, just deliver strikes, honestly. So, you know, I think that that is a pretty good, pretty good. <clears throat> Speaking of the pocket, this is something that I said he didn't really manipulate super well. And I think that he improved, you know, I think he did a good job of stepping up in the pocket. He was also able to roll out when absolutely necessary. And, you know, some of his step ups and, you know, he even dips his shoulders a couple of times to step up in the pocket. And I think that shows excellent body control and, you know, just kudos to his movement. I don't know if his awareness is necessarily the best. I gave it a 5.7, which isn't the worst either, but I think that his pocket movement is very solid whenever he does sense the pressure. So I gave it a 6.2 on his pocket movement. I think that he did improve his pocket movement from last year and that there's a lot to be happy about in the Bo Bivens corner. <clears throat> All of that being said, oh, I almost forgot. Frame 7.2. I mean, he's six foot, 200 pounds. So not the, you know, bare minimum, quote unquote, bare minimum of like, six foot two like 200 pounds but i mean he has the 200 pounds he's six foot it's it's fine it's nothing to be worried about from a recruiting perspective um so there's that but some areas of improvement i do think that you know the downside of his decision making skills could end up leading to a lot of interceptions on the next level of football 
Um, I know Wyoming's a pretty run-heavy state, so to see offenses like Torrington like makes me smile. But you know, he did get bailed out by Kaiser Wolf a couple of times. A couple of times watching his and Kaiser Wolf's film, where you know he just Kaiser reached in front of a defender, and you know without Kaiser, I don't know if that throw necessarily is a completion as opposed to an interception especially once you start going against all state guys from other parts of the country i mean you're going to have guys from texas and georgia who slip into the level of football that bo bivens is going to be playing and you should not throw those throws so uh, i hope that it was just a chemistry thing that's kind of what i did here giving him the benefit of the doubt plus you know he goes through reads too and to understand timing you also have to be good at decision making so that's why i was kind of here at this six now, some things, he didn't really show me too much throw on the run. It, it could be something, but from what I could see and from his overall mechanics, it's not something that I necessarily have a ton of confidence in. His mechanics, I gave a 4.8. I still think that his throwing motion is kind of weird, and it's very long, too. It's very prolonged, and while he did correct some things, I still think that his mechanics slash fluidity because it's a very clunky throwing motion too i think that that still needs some work so that did land at a 4.6 and thus in turn because of his mechanics slash fluidity impacted his throw on the run ability to a 4.9 so they were in the same ballpark of you know they got it done here on the high school level but they are going to need some serious tuning and work here on the next level to succeed and i think that if he improves his mechanics slash fluidity and just makes his throwing motion significantly faster and more concise, that categories like arm power can honestly jump up to an eight. And accuracy can jump up to, you know, a high seven or even a mid eight, honestly. The ceiling, there's still a lot of ceiling to claw towards for Bo Bivens here. And I'm really glad that I have this rubric this year so that I can be a bit more concise on where exactly his scores are sitting. And so with all that said, his overall grade came out to a 64.6, which is a next level quarterback. And he w he did commit actually to the University of Nebraska Kearney, I want to say. And, you know, I read this shout out to the Torrington Telegram, which is my source on that. And, you know, Nebraska Kearney kind of making some big moves here this offseason. They were able to sign Jaden Allen, who I think is a D1 talent. They were able to sign uh, defensive lineman uh, Campbell Packbush out of Chatfield, who's a state champion. They were able to sign a 6'4", 280-pound lineman out of Ponderosa that was a part of a vaunted run game. And also, uh, you know, Andrew Heidel's freshman year was, you know, behind this Frankie McMadden guy or McFadden guy. So, you know, they did a great job recruiting some Colorado talent this year. And I think that they're going to do, you know, there's there's some competition. There's some transfers and some all-state guys and some all-American guys to compete against at Nebraska Kearney for Bo Bivens. So it's a bit of an uphill battle. But I do think that he has the upside to make plays. I mean, he created this, you know, Torrington run of the past couple of years and, you know, through, through, a, lot of, uh, through a lot of touchdowns, through you know, uh, the, the, the years I should say, oh my goodness, I'm losing my train of thought, but he just showed me a lot through these two seasons to warrant some confidence and to make me think that he could win this job. I do think that he should probably redshirt. 
I think that he should take his time, work out, you know, this throwing motion. I think that that should be offseason priority number one, first and foremost. And I think it's going to make everything else better just to make it faster, just to make it smoother. And, you know, you could do that just even practicing on the couch, getting that ball above your head. And it's going to take some getting used to, but I do think that it'll go a long way to eventually having Bo Bivens be, you know, whether it's a one-year starter or a two-year starter here at Nebraska Kearney, depending on, you know, how the transfer portal goes and how the recruits go. I think that he can earn a spot on this team and, you know, earn a starting spot at that over the next few years at Nebraska Kearney if he just sticks to it and, you know, makes some plays. And, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like Bo Bivens has upside to even play in, in the CFL if he irons out some of these things and just cleans up his game. But, you know, Bo, I hope that this, you know, breakdown reaches you well, and I want to thank you for your patience. You've been so patient through the season as we have finally gotten to requests, and hopefully this is a process that will have a bit more ironed out by next year, but no big deal if it isn't. And it was a pleasure breaking down your film and, you know, watching watching this Torrington team that you led over the past two years. So thank you for introducing us to some Wyoming football that I'm now a huge fan of. And that'll do it for Bo here out of Torrington High School, the University of Nebraska Kearney commit. And coming up next, another quarterback, this time on the NAIA level. Howdy, y'all, and welcome back to Playmaker's Corner on another edition of requests here on episode 143 talking about another quarterback but this time not as north as wyoming but as far south as colorado springs talking about mesa ridge's very own noah ramirez who i've actually gotten to meet and talk to quite a bit recently when he's been throwing for 719 elite shout out to 719 elite those guys are doing a good job trying to put together a 7v7 squad for the Springs. So if you're from the Colorado Springs area, go ahead and look that up and get some work in. I know that they need some more young blood on that squad. So go ahead and do that and help build something down there because the Springs needs more offseason work. And, you know, the coaches there also run a variety of things in the Springs. So make sure to get in contact with 719 and get yourself right. But anyways, no Ramirez. The Mesa Ridge slash 719 quarterback here. He is committed to McPherson College in the KCAC. So that is NAIA. And if you're familiar with women's flag football, you know that we talk about KCAC all the time. So McPherson, uh, get started on that women's flag football team, wouldn't you? <laughs> but uh, anyways, back here to Noah Ramirez. There are a lot of things that he does very well, honestly. I gave his arm accuracy an 8. I gave his overall mechanics slash fluidity an 8. But most importantly, I gave his decision-making skills an 8.6. He goes through his reads. He gets it to the right guys in space to make a play. And he just sets up his players very well. It's, you know, I'm not going to... Don't read super, super deep into this. But it's Tom Brady-esque in the way that he just hits his receivers in places where they can get upfield and make some serious plays. And, you know, he kept the turnovers pretty minimal. It's not quite the 21 to 3, but it's not throwing up a lot of contested passes. That's really nice. You know, his interceptions were, you know, mostly great defensive plays as he went on to throw 20 TDs to four INTs. 
And, you know, he was a participant in some serious shootouts this past year for that Mesa Ridge squad and, you know, was integral to this offense and, you know, getting playmakers like Cash Cheeks and Elijah Davis the ball in space. You know, on the season, this Mesa Ridge squad averaged 25.36 points per game, including, you know, I would say an upset win over Denver South to start the season with 31 points. They almost pulled off a win against Palmer Ridge with 27 points, you know, just barely losing that. You know, scoring 35 in back-to-back weeks against Widefield and Canyon City. He definitely struggled a little bit in this Fort Fort, uh, Fort Fountain Fort Carson game. Holy cow. Fountain Fort Carson game, FFC game, and I'll touch on that in just a minute. But, you know, once again, putting up big numbers in the Fruit of Monument loss where they lost by a single point, 35 to 36. And then, you know, another 21 points in a game that Denver South would get revenge in, but ultimately they were in to the last second. And I think that he just does a great job of, you know, dotting up receivers and just picking apart defense. You know, he has a very smooth throwing motion. He has a very clean drop back. There's nothing too particularly crazy. He can sometimes have a hitch when he throws, but it's not that big of a concern. So that's why I landed him eights in both of those categories. And, you know, just his ability to dissect a defense is is very good. <clears throat> in addition to that, I think that his pocket awareness and movement is very solid. You know, he did a great job of stepping up in the pocket, moving up left in the pocket, moving up right in the pocket, and just showed a lot of consistency with it. It's not, you know, very creative, but it is exactly what you're looking for. And, you know, his pocket awareness, I gave a 7.9. There are times where sometimes he has to see the pressure, but it's really not that often. He does a great job of feeling it, especially on, you know, his, you know, I guess when he's facing towards the right, you know, with his right arm back. So, you know, that's, that's good that, you know, he can feel it that way without having to stare at it. And, you know, he's pretty good at sensing it from behind him, too. So I landed that at a 7.9. I think it's very good. And his pocket movement is also very good at a 7.7. I think that those things go very hand-in-hand hand most of the time and that he did both of them very well. And then, you know, the last really big score here is his throw on the run ability. I gave a 6.8. Obviously, you know, he has some very highlight throws on the run, including the very opening one that's to, I believe it was a wheel route, I want to say, that starts getting upfield. And he just does a great job of stepping into it and, you know, putting his whole body into it. And then he can do the the obvious things like rollouts and stuff. I wouldn't say that it's, you know, rabbit in a hat kind of magic trick throwing on his throw on the run. So that's why it lands here at the 6.8. It's not, you know, necessarily a consistent thing or a thing that he had to do a whole lot. But when he did do it, he was very good at it. And I think that it warrants some attention. <clears throat> All of that being said, there are some things that I think he needs to work on. And the biggest concerns that I have for Noah Ramirez here, a very smart quarterback, I think that he kind of has Andy Dalton syndrome here because his arm power and his timing on throws is seriously lacking. Even throwing in 719, a lot of his receivers, they kind of have the have to turn their body kind of back to catch these balls. And, you know, sometimes I think that he throws a little bit late. And any of his inaccuracies, I don't think is actually accuracy. I think it falls on timing. And his receivers having to reach back to catch passes a lot of the time, that is a big time timing thing. Or just the way that they have to adjust to maybe some jump balls is a big timing thing. And easily the thing that he needs to work on the most. <clears throat> now, fortunately, this is something that's very easy to fix. Now, arm power, I don't think that he has the no most naturally talented arm. 
I don't really see him make wow, you know, 50-yard bombs down the sidelines all that often. I don't see him stretch the field too much. And I think that Fountain Fort Carson understood that. And they just played very aggressively close to the line and tried to dare Noah to beat them over the top. And, you know, when given the opportunity, Lawrence Walker did a great job of locking up Cash Cheeks, who's a big target, who has a really big catch radius. And other than that, he wasn't really able to push it down the field. They rely on those short crossing routes, those intermediate, you know, kind of drags and stuff. And that just wasn't going because Fountain Fort Carson played shallow and dared Noah to beat them over the top. And it just was not super successful it was not a part of the game plan and it wasn't a part of no ramirez's game now i don't he can still push it down the field a little bit so i gave it a 5.8 but it's nothing that makes you know it's not mind-blowing and i do think that it's something that he needs to improve in this offseason even looking at 719 i just don't see him making you know world ending throws necessarily and I, I think that's something that he just needs to improve on. And, you know, maybe arm power can help out with his timing on throws because sometimes he kind of has to, like, give it a little bit of float to kind of get some of these drag routes when, you know, maybe if he's a little bit stronger, it'll be in front of the receiver for them to catch it in stride rather than having to reach back. <clears throat> Lastly, you know, his frame slash size, I gave a six. Uh, I think that he is a little underweight, but, you know... it. It's not a crazy good frame. It's not a crazy bad frame. He is a little bit on the lighter side for sure. I think that he is putting on a little bit of weight though, based off of, you know, how I've seen him. He looks heavier than what's listed on on some sites. So I just want to, you know, note that before, you know, criticizing him too bad. And then he's not really a scrambling quarterback. So, you know, that's... It's not bad. Uh, he does score a five here in scramble ability. I think that it's something that he can do, but you know, it's not something that he's known to do, if that makes sense. So that's my breakdown on No Ramirez. That landed him at a total score of 68.7. Great decision making, great mechanics, and good arm accuracy all will land you, you know, in these high spots. But his timing on throws, I think, needs significant work. And you know. Maybe I'm being a little, I'm being a little harsh. The ball still gets there. So I am going to bump it up to a 5.2 and give his overall grade of a 69, almost a two-star quarterback here. And he'll be playing in the NAI level. I think that's indicative of the grade that I give him. And I think it's appropriate. And he's going to McPherson College, like I said, in the KCAC. It looks like they have a handful of freshman quarterbacks on the 2021 roster. So I'm not sure what movement has necessarily happened since I last looked at this. But, you know, I think that he's somebody who I don't know if necessarily will come out and openly win a starting job, but I don't think that he'll lose a job. I think that when you have a smart quarterback, it's something that a lot of programs don't take for granted. And, you know, if quarterbacks are having trouble and throwing interceptions and turning the ball over, this is a point where Noah Ramirez probably gets handed the keys and takes control of this offense. Now, I think with the very heavy depth chart here that he might have to wait a year or two, but I think that even if he's given an opportunity at being a one-year starter, he's somebody who will pick apart defenses, be very methodical, maybe have built up his arm power and his timing just a bit more, and really just death by paper cut these teams in, in a very you know, Brady-esque way that, you know, landed, obviously, Brady a Hall of Fame career. I won't say, 
necessarily Ramirez is on that level, but I think gameplay and game style wise, I can see a lot of similarities in that way. And that can get you excited. And, you know, if you just surround him with, with some playmakers, then it's off to the races for this McPherson team who's looking to compete in the KCAC. And I think that Noah Ramirez does give them a chance to do exactly that inside of the conference. So that's that's my outlook here on Noah Ramirez. And I do think that he's somebody who will get a chance to play. If not, he is one of the best backups you could ask for in the KCAC pretty easily, I'd say. As long as, you know, he's still on that roster and, you know, does does his homework and improves some of these things. <clears throat> so that will do it for Noah Ramirez. Once again, shout out to Noah and Bo for being huge PMC fam. And coming up next, we'll be talking about some running backs who are big time PMC fam guys up next. Hello, y'all, and welcome back to Playmaker's Corner. And we are doing another episode of requests here today on episode 143. I'm your host, Cody Stoffer, and we are going to go out to Broomfield, Colorado to talk about Jacob Lover, the athlete out of Holy Family High School. And I say athlete because, I mean, he earned a high enough rating as a two-star safety he also played cornerback this past year. He can play safety up in the box and stuff. But something that I found very interesting is what he was asked to do this past season that he wasn't asked to do before. And that was step up and play. Actually, I believe start at running back here for Holy Family High School. And, you know, I'd say that he delivered. There are some things that he does very, very well. And, you know, he clawed into an overall 68.9 score at the running back position and didn't have a single category below a five which is pretty dang good and if you combine that with just his versatility to play on either side of the ball actually spoke to him over dms and he is listed as an athlete where he is committed to at csu pueblo and you know they're not quite sure how to use him yet or where they want him and for good reason it's because he is really that good at a lot of different things but on the film today i am going to talk about his senior season at the tailback spot so right off the get-go he is a four-star guy with his footwork his footwork is insane and this checks out you know because he is such a good safety he is such a good cornerback Footwork is something that does need to be good at both those positions, not losing any steps, especially in the pass game. And he manages to take that same mentality here and put it at the running back position, scoring a nine here. Just really precise in and out of his cuts, slowing down to hit the hole, hitting the holes. He does a great job cutting back. Just really, really great footwork here. And that also leads to a pretty significant score in agility slash change of direction. I have said in the past before that these two things can be pretty hand in hand. And so, you know, I gave his agility slash change of direction at 8.3. You know, I'm not saying that he's not a strong back, but he is definitely a back who can put moves on early and often and does quite frankly, quite a bit throughout his film, showing a massive juke move, showing a quick cut, showing all these different you know finesse moves 
to wiggle out of tackles and to break off big games. And, you know, all that being said, he he's still a pretty strong guy because, you know, his tackle breaking, I gave a 6.6 and his balance slash body control, I gave a 7.4. You know, it's like I said, it's not like he's a power back, but he does show the ability to be powerful and will level some people. But mostly it's his ability to stay on his feet that allows him to make for such great plays and create, you know, the production that he was able to have this year. You know, 1,078 yards on the ground, 15 rushing touchdowns, and another 255 yards and three scores catching the ball, mostly on swing passes or just those quick outs or dump offs. But nonetheless, still putting in work and catching passes and whatnot. That allowed me to, you know, Give his receiving a 5.3. It's not necessarily a it's not it's not a weakness in his game, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily like a wow part. He's not really split out wide and he doesn't run routes. But nonetheless, it's something that he's capable of, much like tackle breaking and you know being strong. It's something that he's capable of. It's not something that I think is a super high rated talent but it is something that he is solid at. So that's why he earns a 6.6 in tackle breaking and a 7.4 in balance slash body control and why he earns a 5.8 in receiving. Another solid grade that he had was his power slash explosiveness. He's not going for the truck or, you know, he's he's using his, his vision, which I'll elaborate more on in a second, and his footwork to create his running opportunities. But, you know, he does have a great push. His legs are very powerful. It allows... For him to make these giant moves so that does go into explosiveness and you know his like i said his power is suitable so that's why i gave his power slash explosiveness a 6.6 now talking about jacob lover's vision it is one of his highest rated categories this is his second highest rated category actually which i gave an 8.7 he's just such a patient runner and you know he allows the opportunities to open up and once they unfold, it's because of his cut to them. And I think that he just does a great job of understanding the field, understanding where everyone is and how that impacts his running style. And with such a high agility, he's able to cut back and access a lot of holes that aren't typically, you know, accessible for running backs of, you know, an average kind of stature. And that's why Jacob here was able to put up such a phenomenal season, not only in the rush game, but also in the return game, you know. He had 330 kick return yards and 99 punt return yards, so around 420-ish, you know, overall return yards. And I think that that was, that was big time, obviously, for this Holy Family squad, making the playoffs, and, you know, for, for their run that they had. And overall success that they had this season was in huge part to Jacob Lover's ability to make plays on any side of the ball, you know, offense, defense, and also in the special teams unit. It was his highest return yard year outside of last year for punt return but he like tripled his kick return yards so that was a massive year for him and i think that his vision had a huge part to do with that so you know the, these are a lot of things that jacob does well and you know that's why he was a touted athlete and you know why he did get looks on the next level but there are some areas of improvement and I think some things that held him back a little bit from, you know, being viewed in the bigger picture. Unfortunately, you know, I hate to talk about this because I don't think it matters with how good of an athlete he is, but he's 5'9", 165. He's just a little bit on the lighter side. 
I'm not concerned with that. It's not in my grades anywhere. I think that he's plenty strong for playing ball at the next level. But what I do think need, needed some work was his speed and acceleration. Both of these landed in the five range. I got a five six for speed and a five seven for acceleration. I just didn't see world ending speed. I didn't see him really outlast anyone down a sideline on a really long run. You know, I mean, his longest run of the year was 41 yards. And I mean, that's still a long run, but you know, you have other guys who have 70, 80 yard runs from kickoff returns, 75 yard runs from the first place scrimmage. And I think that part of that comes from obviously, you know, scheme and stuff, but also you need to have the speed to make the edge, make that angle work, make that, you know, that play work. And I just don't necessarily know if he has that, you know, you didn't jump out to me as the fastest player on the field at any point. He didn't seem like the fastest player on most plays at any point. And, you know, his, his running style isn't a super boomer bust. It's getting you consistent yardage as evidenced by his 5.9, we'll call it six yards per carry. But, you know, I would say that his speed was the biggest issue for me watching his film, just not necessarily knowing if he's the fastest guy. Now he could run a, he could run a pretty fast laser 40. I'm not necessarily sure, but just the in-game speed from the tailback position wasn't something that really knocked me on my shoes. You know, I didn't see, oh, like this guy looks, he looks fast, fast, you know, it's like, okay, you know, like he's fast enough to play the running back position and he's fast enough to play on the next level, but it's not great speed is how I describe it. And then his other lowest category, I mean, the receiving, like I said, it just comes from not running a huge variety of routes, but it's not something that I'm concerned about. Like he catches with his hands and, you know, he can get upfield, which is awesome. But the other thing was just blocking and it was just a, a volume thing. Once again, with his frame, this is kind of where this comes into place. But, you know, he did show the ability to block and get pancakes. But, you know, getting as many carries as he did for this Holy Family Squad on 183, not to mention another 22 touches. I don't necessarily know if there was really a time. I mean, most of the time it looked like he had to go out for a pass. So, you know, technique and consistency wise, I don't know if he really got time to develop a consistent pass block or anything like that over the season. So that's why he's blocking lands at 5.2. Like I said, I think it's suitable for what he's doing, where he's at, where he's going, and it's more than serviceable. So that what that's what all lands him at a total score of 68.9. However, you know, his versatility on the other sides of the ball and everything else that he does as just an athlete in general is what, you know, makes him a two-star athlete. I definitely give him, you know, another five-point or six-point swing as an athlete, similar to how we looked at Blake Barnett, just athleticism-wise, where, like, yeah, his final grade was, you know, an 83 or 80.3 or somewhere in that range. But it's like, we can see him being a four-star recruit just because of his athleticism. Jacob Lover, he's somebody who can even scratch, you know, three-star potential with his versatility, athleticism, and his IQ of the game from the tailback, defensive back, returner, safety position. So, you know, combine all of that. And you do have, I'd say, you know, a player that's around a 78 or, you know, that's nearing that 80 overall here. But, you know, just at the tailback position alone, sits just slightly outside that. And so I'm very eager to see how CSU Pueblo uses him. I know that they have depth at a lot of different positions. I think it's very hard to find defensive backs 
So I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up on that side of the ball. However, you know, they did get a big signing in Randy Yaboa this past year. And, you know, that defense is kind of stacked from what they've been able to secure. And I do think that he could succeed on the offensive side of the ball, you know, catching passes from probably LR3 in this coming year or, you know, in the future. He's going to be able to catch passes, which is big time out of the backfield. And that may help him find the field sooner rather than later. I'm not necessarily sure what the other signing talent looks like, but I think that it's a good pickup by CSU Pueblo and Jacob. He's probably going to have to redshirt this first year, get that speed up you know, hit the weight room, get used to school and whatnot. Not saying that his lifting numbers are bad, by the way. I'm just saying that's just how freshman year goes. And, you know, I could see him maybe getting on the field on special teams and whatnot his freshman year, but I would say more likely a sophomore year, scratching the surface on some playing time. And then, you know, third and fourth year, finding himself into the rotation with potential to start. But I could see him definitely being a rotating back and, you know, with the way that football is going, it's always nice to have multiple running backs anyway. And Jacob Lover provides you consistent, tough depth that's very versatile and with exceptional athleticism. And that's all you can really ask for. And, you know, something that could help this, you know, CSU Pueblo squad get more relevant in the RMAC and make some noise and catch back up to the gap that Western and Mines have created over the past couple of years. But that's my you know, two cents on Jacob here. I've been, we've been waiting to break down his film for a long time. He is huge PMC fam and we appreciate him for all the support that he's done and kudos to him for stepping up at the tailback position following, you know, I believe it was a senior last year at Holy Family who graduated and it was like, well, who's going to fill that void? And Jacob did exactly that and scored a lot of touchdowns and got some college interest. So best of luck to him on the next level and coming up next is a uncommitted, very well-rated running back here. And here on episode 143, we are talking about one of the most under-recruited prospects in the state, as far as I know, I think I've only seen a preferred walk-on to Northern Colorado, but this guy is worthy of a scholarship being an all-state player and all, you know, an offensive player of the year in his conference and just a vaunted playmaker for, you know, a championship runner-up squad. And that is Caleb Tyson out of Erie High School, the six-foot, 190-pound back who, like I said, put on a show this year and was obviously integral to, you know, the to the success of these Erie Tigers. You know, during the regular season, or during, you know, the season, he ran for 1,795 yards, including 129 in the state championship game. Not to mention, he ran for uh, 27 touchdowns including a season-high four against Windsor and three also in the state championship game. So, you know, he was able to do it during the regular season. He was able to do it during the postseason and just showed out for this Erie squad. And it didn't disappear when it mattered most. You know, in the postseason, he ran for an incredible 
eight touchdowns in four games on over seven yards per carry. And I will read these out. Fruit of Monument, first round of the playoffs, 11 carries, 146 yards, three touchdowns, averaging 13 yards per carry. Palmer Ridge, this is, you know, a massive game that I had the chance to watch and one that he performed very clutch, not only on the offensive side of the ball, but on the defensive side of the ball as well, coming up with big plays. But on the offensive side, 17 carries, 121 yards, and a score against Montrose, one of the best run defenses in Colorado. He did find 75 yards and the end zone. And then against Chatfield, who has a great defensive line and one of the best front sevens in all of 4A. He was able to gash him for 129 yards as well as three touchdowns, displaying his trademark pounding brutal style of running. And then on top of all of that, you know, he added on another 407 yards to the air, including a season high 75 against Broomfield and found the end zone two more times in that span. So when you are capable of doing all of this, averaging, you know, during the regular season, 11 and a half yards per carry on the total season, 10 yards per carry, and are able to just gash some of the best teams in the state, this is this is where it lands you, okay? And how did he get to this level? Well, his power slash explosiveness, easily a four-star thing for me. I gave it a nine. He is such a brutal and punishing runner, as evidenced by his tackle breaking that I also have rated at an 8.6. He's just so punishing. There's this one play against Broomfield, I want to say, where this defender has him completely wrapped up. This defender has leverage correct. And, you know, this looks like a regular tackle and it's going to be a regular gun at four. But Caleb manages to just keep his legs moving. You know, at six foot, he does have a pretty decent height, I'd say, for a running back. So he just keeps his legs moving and just goes through this linebacker it's unlike anything I've ever seen, honestly, where his tackle break lasts like two whole seconds of him just chugging his legs and just walking over this Broomfield defender that honestly had the play and he had him wrapped up. I couldn't really see anything super wrong with the tackle other than maybe being a little flat footed. But this is a tackle that, you know, gets 90 other percent of running backs, but not Caleb on this one as he just pounds through him and finds his way all the way towards the end zone and this is you know he had multiple victims this year and i am going to call them victims because he got absolutely destroyed and yeah that just these defenses over the season felt the wrath of of caleb and you know none more than i'd say probably silver creek this was his rushing yard total best performance of the entire season as he gashed them 14 times for 293 yards and three scores and, you know, while he did do that with this very punishing running style, there are a, a couple of other things that he also does really well and I think are worthy of three-star level ratings. And so one of that is balance slash body control. That, you know, gets tied into tackle breaking quite a bit because, you know, he does stay on his feet really well. People will try and grab onto his legs and he'll shake them off. He'll stumble. He'll get back up. And, you know, he's just really good at staying on his feet being very well balanced, understanding leverage a lot of the time. And he also does this when blocking as well. So, you know, his balance slash body control is an 8.7. It is very good, easily three-star talent. But in addition to being a very bruising back, he is not, it's, just because he's a very physical back does not mean that he's slow. You know, his vision is at an 8.3. And with his power size explosiveness being so high, he is able to hit the hole with a lot of force, with a lot of intensity. 
And after that, you know, he does have pretty good speed. I rated his speed at an 8.6. I think that, you know, he can go off to the races. I did see him rip off a lot of really long runs, honestly. And I, I just think that he's not somebody that you want to see in the open field. He's somebody who will make big time plays in, in the open field and somebody who can create opportunities for himself in the open field. So, you know, all of this is phenomenal for Caleb and deserves these very high ratings. And like, I, I mean, this is one, two, three, four categories in the three-star range and a fourth category in, you know, the four-star range. So all of these aspects of his game are very strong. Not to mention, he does have, you know, some two-star things before we jump into areas and for me you know i think his acceleration is pretty good i think that his speed is the main thing i think that his top speed is good i don't know if he necessarily you know there's not like an extra gear that i really see a lot of the time he just seems to be running in top gear most of the time which is fantastic honestly that he's able to just be at that speed but i wouldn't necessarily know if there's an extra burst that I necessarily see, but his acceleration, I still think stands out. And when your speed is good, then your that your acceleration has something to do with it. So that's still why it's rated at a seven. And then, you know, his footwork, I gave a 7.1. There are times where his base gets a little bit narrow, you know, and I think that there are some missed opportunities, some missed cuts in that sense. But like I said, I gave him a really high rating because he does keep his feet going at all times. And that goes a long way for footwork in anyone's department, but especially at the running back position. And especially when a guy has you completely wrapped up, I cannot unsee that play. And I went to the state championship and I saw this guy live and I saw him rip off some big runs and, you know, score three touchdowns. You know what I mean? But that play in particular has become the quintessential Caleb play for myself. Now, transitioning to some things that, you know, maybe aren't at a you know, two or three or four star rating, but aren't necessarily bad either would include his agility slash change of direction. I think that he's pretty good at cutting back. It's just not really his bread and butter. It's not like Jacob where it's like shh, 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 left, right, left, right, left, 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 right. You know, it's Caleb is a very North South guy, but you know, if the holes are available through his vision, you know, that is rated out at 8.3 and he does make some pretty monster cutbacks He's capable of making those cutbacks. That's why his agility slash change of direction is rated at a 6.8. It's very capable. It's very competent. And, you know, it gets the job done. And, you know, it doesn't hold back his vision when he does do, you know, some of these read option plays where it's it's very interesting blocking scheme between, you know, him and Blake Barnett making decisions and what he does when he is given the ball. You know, it all works out very well. And I think that it wouldn't be possible if his agility slash change of direction was worse. I do think it could get a little bit better. I think that I didn't necessarily see huge jump cuts or, you know, like really a whole lot of spin moves or anything that like that that looks super smooth and just powerful. But it doesn't mean that I don't think that he's capable of them. I just didn't see a whole lot of volume of it. In addition, the other category that I do have rated in the sixes is blocking. I rated it at a 6.6. .6. He led block for Blake Barnett a handful of times. You know, he Blake Barnett is somebody who can get quarterback powers called to a lot because he's another one of those tough runners that's really hard to bring down. And Caleb showed the ability to collect pancakes. And, you know, at six foot, you know, with his frame at six foot, and I believe it was 
200 yeah 200 pounds you know that's a solid that's a solid frame and on top of that you know 275 pound bench 475 pound squat i know that lifts don't mean everything but he has the lifting numbers to back up being a very solid blocker and you know i think that that's all you could ask for him there are some plays on blake barnett's film where you can see caleb whiff on some pass blocks and so that's why it's not rated higher I, I think that he just needs to be a little bit more patient in the pass blocking game to form more consistency and just be a better pass blocker. But, you know, he does show the upside and ability to block. So that's why it lands him at a 6.6 here. And then the lowest rated category I have for him here is receiving at a 5.3. I know that I talked about him, you know, catching 407 yards of passes and two touchdowns on the year but there just wasn't a lot of variety in the routes he was running. It's not like he was really split out wide and, you know, running a very huge expansive route tree. It was serviceable. I think that it was more than enough for what he was asked to do for this Erie squad. And so that's why I land about a 5.3. It's pretty middle of the road, but there is plenty of upside for it. And there's plenty of upside here for Caleb. You know, I have his overall score rated at a 76. He is not rated, but he should be a two-star running back. This is another classic exam example of, you know, running backs in Colorado getting overlooked. And it's very frustrating to see this happening to Caleb because, like, ah, just, first off, he's, he's a great running back, okay? He was a conference offensive player of the year. He was a first-team All-State he was invited to, you know, the the state game. He helped his team, you know, go to the state championship. And he did this on both sides of the ball. So he's able to just make plays. And he's a yes coach kind of guy. I got to meet him at media day. Same with Coach V. He's a very polite guy. You know, he doesn't seem like somebody who's a cancer to a locker room. So that can't be something holding back his recruitment. He's a good student. I mean... You know, he was an academic honorable mention and his overall GPA is a 3.4 and he's got a 1240 SAT. So he's a good student, you know, he's a good student. He's a good, really good running back and somebody who is just getting overlooked because of Colorado, I guess. I mean, look, Erie was a 3A school within the past five years and they made the 4A state championship. Obviously, you know, it was a team effort and they had a lot of dogs. They had, you know, the Kansas State commit in, you know, John Pastor. They had Blake Barnett, who's an incredible running back. They had Aiden Augsiger, who's a 2A or is, is a Division II commit to Western. But where's Caleb's look? You know, I don't think that there are a lot of running backs like Caleb. And I think that he's only scratching the surface of his potential, honestly. I think that there's a lot more that he can do in the pass game and a lot more that he's capable of. And I just think that there's a lot more agility and explosiveness that is still waiting that he just hasn't quite unlocked yet, whether it's through opportunities or development. And it's just blasphemy. It's blasphemy that he does not have the looks right now, because honestly, this is an FCS running back, honestly, at the bare minimum. That's why he has a PWO to UNC. Granted, they did recruit Bryce Faz and you know, that could be a great backfield tandem, but Caleb deserves a scholarship. I'm just going to say it as bluntly as possible. He deserves a scholarship. And yeah, I hope he gets it. 
he definitely deserves it and you know he's he's just a great guy and i wish nothing but the best for him and yeah i'm a little upset that he doesn't have more looks you know him and zion hill scored basically the same score and i think that they're both very similar running backs with similar punishing running styles who just have great next level frames and got overlooked being on being in colorado even though they were on 4a powerhouses so yeah sorry i got a little frustrated there as i do with colorado talent from time to time just a lot of overlooked talent here but you know make the most of your opportunities and just ball when you are given the ball and all that being said that does it for this episode of requests here on playmakers corner and just as a rundown we talked about Quentin Lore out of Westminster High School is a wide receiver. Ian Lee out of Arvada West, who is a receiver committed to Presentation College. Congratulations. We then talked about some quarterbacks here, like Bo Bivens, who played in Torrington in Wyoming. You know, Wyoming is pretty close to Colorado, so I don't mind shouting out some guys over there. So, you know, he is also committed to University of Nebraska Kearney. So congratulations on that commitment. Noah Ramirez out of Mesa Ridge, who is committed to McPherson College on the NAIA level. Congratulations on that commitment. And then on this very last segment, some guys who've been very loyal to the podcast, you know, since or definitely leading up to this 2021-2022 season. And Jacob Lover and Caleb Tyson, who, you know, Jacob out of Holy Family committed to CSU Pueblo, one of the most consistent programs on the D2 level. And Caleb here, who played for Erie High School and is looking for a home and is just, you know, waiting for the right phone call from a school who wants to, you know, actually win some football games with a damn good running back. But all that being said, hopefully you've been listening to our other request episodes released by Mason Austin. We release these request episodes on Mondays and Wednesdays. Make sure to check us out on Twitch for our stream episodes. We released one on Sunday with Coach V and myself talking about some programs that we didn't really highlight in our season in review episode. So, you know, go ahead and check those out and follow us on Twitch so you get notifications whenever we do streams. We do live film breakdowns on there as well. So there's plenty of things to like on Twitch so you can find us at Playmakers Corner on Twitch. And, you know, speaking of finding us, go ahead and find us for more video content on TikTok at Playmakers Corner where we make TikToks of all of these request guys as well as past episodes and whatnot. So plenty of content to look through there on TikTok. And, you know, if you also are in the social media game, that is where we release announcements for all of our new episodes. That's Playmaker Corner on Twitter, at Playmakers Corner on Instagram. We're also Playmakers Corner on Facebook. You can find us on all of those. And if you want your film broken down, there's also a link tree in our bio on any of our social media platforms. And you go ahead and fill out that Google form on there. It's linked in Linktree at the very top and you will be added to a list and we will break down your film like these athletes on this episode. Talk about your strengths, talk about your areas of improvement and you know, kind of what our outlook is for you and maybe some recommendations, whether it's coaching drills or you know, work to do in the off season. All of that being said, we do release our primetime episodes on Friday where Coach V catches up on women's flag football where we have end of the year player watches we have playmaker of the week watches much like our recaps for high school football and you know we recap the games and do power rankings as well which i am always super excited to do and i think that there's going to be some definitely some moves in this upcoming week very exciting week for women's flag football so make sure to tune in to all of that 
And, you know, you could also find us on YouTube where we repost our Twitch streams and also some reels, Playmakers Corner. And once you have followed us on all of those, make sure that you follow us on our podcast streaming platforms where you might be listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Anchor, and make sure that you get notifications for all of our new episodes. And I'll make sure to say thank you to our fans, listeners, and PMC fam that, you know, this was a pretty PMC fam heavy episode, and I am very grateful to these guys and all the conversations and open dialogue that we have. And I'm looking forward to the open dialogue following, you know, maybe some of my critiques in this episode, but I do wish nothing but the best for all of these athletes. And thank you so much for listening. And peace.